Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia. John Jeffers here, the Jeffers Brief. You may have noticed that we did a little change on the screen. The truth is, I'm learning to do green screen. Ah. We'll see how it turns out. We'll see if I'm smart enough to figure it out. We'll find out soon enough. You know, something else I wanted to let you know. Um, I've been asking around for the last week. People who I think would have knowledge of this. And what I'm finding is this. The question is, hey, what do you know about cryptocurrency? What can you tell me about it? And everyone I've asked said, oh, it's a gamble. And it is. It's like the stock market. But the problem I'm running into is people are interested in it, but they don't know how it works. And you can't really find anybody that can tell you. How does this work? How does this particular market work? Well, I'm going to learn it. And then I'm going to share it with you. And you're saying, John, why are you getting into the, the, this cryptocurrency? And the, uh, my reason is this, my friends. I just want to use it as a hedge. Should the federal government decide to do a bail-in, they will get some of my money but they're not going to get all of it. The cryptocurrency market allows us to uh, kind of squirrel away the money so that no government can get into it. And that's kind of how I'm playing it. That's how I'm looking at it. I did get into the cryptocurrency market uh, about four days ago. I only invested $70. I figure $70 will enable me to learn how to ride the bicycle. And I've got some other things in play with it also. So, that's what I'm doing. And once I learn it, I will explain it to you. And you can, of course, make your own decision as to whether or not you really want to do it or not. That It's entirely up to you. You know that. Everything I talk about on my show is for your benefit. Whether you use it or not, that's up to you. That's on you. All right. All right. Now, maybe the, uh, like I said, maybe the screen doesn't look right to you. I don't know. But I'm playing with it. I'm going to try and make it a more interesting type of thing, screen for you to watch. Um, in the meantime, in no particular order, we have seen an uptick here at CRN across all of our shows of listenership. I think people are getting the message out, telling their friends and whatnot. And it's just not here in the United States. Oh, no, no. Uh, it's around the planet. Now, in no particular order, these are the listeners we have in different countries, and I want you to, you know, just soak it in. Especially you long-time listeners. We've been doing this show for... What, six and a half, seven years? Yeah, about since 2014, yeah? Okay. Um, of course, we have listeners here in the United States. That's the majority of our listeners. And then we got the United Kingdom, our friends to the north in Canada, Western Canada and, and Ontario. We got quite a few downloads there. Sweden, Ireland, Australia, Germany, 
Chile. That's South America, friends. We're finally starting to make inroads in South America. Spain, that's a new one. Welcome, Spain. Netherlands, always has been there. Very good, thank you. Portugal, starting to figure it out. Puerto Rico. You know, some would say, you know, well, it's a territory of the United States. You know, in my opinion, just my own opinion, maybe we should make Puerto Rico the 51st state. Malaysia, Denmark. By the way, if you want tile, get it from Denmark. Ceramic tile, they, that's what they do there. They're very good at it. Norway, Belgium, Croatia, Belarus, Romania, Guatemala, that's Central America, for those of you that were educated in the public school system and got ripped off. Singapore, Poland, Poland's a new one, new listener for us. India, we've been there. Colombia, again, South America. Finland, don't, don't get me from Finland. Argentina, again, South America. And Mexico, our friend, you know, a lot of people look down on Mexico. I got to tell you something. If you live in Mexico, do you really want the Central American mass migrants in your country? I'm not saying that the migrants are, you know, quote unquote, bad people. But you can't, you just can't decide, well, I'm going to go here and you will welcome me. And you will give me and provide for me while I sit there and do nothing except drain your economy. You know, one of the things that they don't tell you is we are getting, how do I put this? I don't want to sound bad. You know what? No, I'm going to pull it out there. We're getting the worst of their society. Unskilled labor, uneducated. That's what they're sending to us. And I guarantee you, if there was a brain drain coming out of Central America, they would have fixed the problem themselves. But if they could give their problems to someone else, well, they do. So I understand, especially for you people in the southern United States and for you people living along the Mexican-U.S. border, I get it. They're, you know, they're trashing your country. All the while demanding food, shelter, and whatever else. Medical care as may be. But that's that. Now there was an idiot, and I have to share this with you. Where do I begin? All right. Meet the press. They have one of the creators of the show on Showtime called The Circus, ultra-left lib liberal. And this is how goofy he truly is. And he, he just goes on and on and, on and has he doesn't really comprehend what he's saying. So you can tell this has been rehearsed, rehearsed over and over again. And he's bitching about, get this, he says that 22%, 22% of the U.S. electorate believes that Joe Biden won the election fraudulently. If you can't trust your own eyes, what can you do? What I mean, what good are you? If you didn't see the fraud and the multiple counts of ballots and everything else going on, that's on you. You want to be willfully blind, that's on you. And he says that 
Out of that 22%, get this, my friends, 30 million people say it's okay to use uh, violence and for, for political purposes. 22%. And of course, he condemns white, white supremacist America. He ignores the Black Lives Matter movement, which we've seen, and Antifa, which we've seen. Whether you're looting your neighborhood uh, commercial districts, burning them to the ground, or just trying to burn down the federal courthouse. That's okay, and we don't discuss that. We don't say that. We don't mention it. So, he says 30 million people say it's okay. Well, let's take a little step back here. The U.S. military has about 1 million active members. If you throw in the Guard and the Reserve, that's probably another million. So you're roughly looking around 2 million. A little, le little more, a little less. If that is the case, which this moron makes, that would seem to me, let me see that's a, you know, it's a damn near three to one for the American, you know, the 30 million people who want to say it's okay to use political violence. And they're going to go and they're going to, you know, these are the same people that are banging the drum about how the press is harder on Biden. No, the press is, they're, 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 they're losing ways to protect Biden. Losing ways to protect him. You know, they're already screaming, well, Trump's doing another coup. He's doing a coup. Really? When did he do the first one? And for you liberals out there, I, I, don't, you, know, I you don't listen to this show, but I know a lot of you listeners probably have liberal friends. And they're screaming about democracy. Democracy, listen to Biden. Democracy this, democracy that. Where in the U.S. Constitution does the word democracy appear? Where? The word republic does. So ask your liberal friends, where does the word democracy appear in the U.S. Constitution? It's not there. But they will scream about democracy. And speaking of which, a couple things. Where does it, what, on what grounds does the federal government believe it's their job to export democracy and support their ideological ideas around the world? One, the fact is we don't have the resources to do that here in this country. We have enough problems here that need to be solved, but yet, Congress thinks that it's their job. Just like Congress thinks it's their job to investigate crimes. In particular, I'm talking about the alleged supposed insurrection. Those people did not seek to overthrow the United States government. They may not have liked it, but you know what? They don't want, you know, the Democrats don't like that. They don't. It's okay if BLM and Antifa come storming through your neighborhood, looting, burning, and carrying on and acting the fools. But when it affects them, whoa, ho, ho, it's a federal crime. We got to throw people into the American gulag. 
You're saying, what's the American Gulag? That's the federal prison, the uh, Bureau of Federal Prisons. And we'll let them sit there. Oh, they're insurrectionists. Really? Okay. So, if you're going to compare apples to apples, it would seem to me that, well, if you're in Portland and you're trying to burn down, or Seattle trying to burn down the federal courthouse or other federal institutions, whether it's, you know, uh, the uh, immigration holding facilities. If you're attacking that, isn't that an insurrection? Or is that not supposed to be? Oh, can't say that. So, again, how is it that when we have Congress thinks that it's their job to, to supposedly investigate crimes, it is not. It is their job to legislate. And they do a pretty shitty job at that. Terrible job, as a matter of fact. Just terrible. Because they're more willing to legislate to preserve their own political power than they are just to make common sense laws, if necessary, for the betterment of our country. Nope! Can't do it. Can't do it. Oh, well, that's kind of my diatribe for now. I'm sure things will crap up later that will enable me to continue on. Oh, what else do I want to use for? Okay, look, you preppers out there, listen up. I want to talk to you about uh, how maybe you should prepare for a solar flare hitting Earth. Because it's probably going to happen. Because other than destroying the sun... There's nothing we can do to prevent a solar flare, but we can prepare, prepare for them. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. hacker, Stephen Johnson. You know, in the Tom Hanks movie Finch, a massive solar flare destroys the ozone layer, annihilating almost all life on Earth and leading to the invention of annoying robots. While a mass coronal ejection really could hit Earth any time, a sun-like star 100 light years away called E.K. Draconis literally just launched one of these things. The good news is that even the worst solar storm probably wouldn't be as terrible as Finch is as a movie. The bad news, while it wouldn't be building annoying robots bad, a coronal ejection could still be pretty awful. Short of destroying the sun, there's nothing humans can do to prevent solar flares, but you can still know what to expect and prepare accordingly. Now, a coronal mass ejection is a visually stunning catastrophe, and according to NASA, uh, CMEs are large clouds of solar plasma and embedded magnetic fields released into space after a solar eruption. If the Earth happens to be in the path of one of these ejections, and the ejection is powerful enough, things could get very crazy very quickly. The charged particles from the Sun entering Earth's magnetic field would cause geomagnetic storms, lighting up the sky with the brilliant aurora borealis that would be visible all over the Earth. Beautiful for sure, but massively disruptive to our power system, which I have talked about a few months ago about how precarious our power grid is because, as usual, nobody wants to spend any money to upgrade the system. We just keep patching it along, patching it along, and maybe, maybe we'll get by. 
So how bad could it get? Let's be honest here. So in 1859, as most of you preppers are already aware, the largest geomatic storm ever recorded hit Earth. It's called the Carrington event. And it lit up the sky so brightly that people thought dawn had come. The northern lights were visible as far south as Cuba, and the nascent telegraph system went down, with telegraph operators reporting being shocked by their machines or being able to still send messages even though their power supplies were disconnected. It ultimately wasn't disastrous in 1859, but in 2021, when everything relies on power and data, a massive outage and the loss of internet, undersea data cables are particularly vulnerable, would throw the world into considerable chaos. The power grid would likely go down as long distance power lines would be overwhelmed with electrical currents, leading to transformers exploding. By the way, do you know how many transformers we actually produce here in the United States? Very little. Very little. Why? Because they have PCBs. Very poisonous, very toxic, and the environmentalists don't like it. So we do what? We import them from where? That's right. So GPS systems would be useless. Kind of like your usual Democratic voter, useless. And satellites would be shorted out. Planes might crash into one another as they're essentially flying blind. And the internet could be down for months. God forbid the internet could be down for months. I don't know about you, but let me tell you something. I have my cell phone. I'm sure we all have cell phones. Our children have cell phones. You know what? Life was a lot easier without cell phones. If you need to call me or contact me, you call my house. And if if I just happen to have, you know, uh, an answering machine, leave a message, I will call you back. Now, oh, I got it. Oh, I must be... I must be able to get in touch with it any time. Let me look. Oh, wait. I'm having a hot dog for lunch. Let me take a picture of it. Isn't this interesting, everybody? Fucking zombies. Get out of here. And the estimated financial losses would likely be in the trillions. Now, the sun sloughs off material regularly, but it usually doesn't hit Earth. And it's just by chance. Our luck has to run out eventually though. Scientists estimate there's around a 12% chance of a massively disruptive CME hitting Earth every 10 years. That's about the same likelihood as a massive earthquake hitting California. Speaking of which, you poor bastards in Eastern California, I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know what you're gonna do because most people in Eastern California are conservatives. And they're not that many. Population-wise, they're all on the coast, and they're all liberals. Spend more money. Yeah, it's done wonders for San Francisco and Los Angeles and other cities. Just look at their homeless problem. Look at that idiot government governor they have. He hasn't got the brains God gave trees. So while there's nothing we mere humans can do to prevent solar flares, they don't hurt humans, and the damage to our infrastructure can be mitigated. There are at least 27 separate federal programs aimed at preventing a worst-case scenario outcome of a solar flare. And private power companies are developing and employing technology to counter massive power surges, too. Yeah, sure they are. On the other hand, 
taking steps to prevent a foreseeable worldwide catastrophe isn't something we're exactly great. For example, pandemic. How should you prepare for a massive solar storm? Now, on an individual level, preparing for a massive solar flare striking our planet is refreshingly doable. This isn't a zombie apocalypse or nuclear war we're talking about. First, remember that the storm won't hurt you. So the worst result is that your power and your ability to communicate with others would be fried for a bit, maybe for a few days, maybe for a month. Also, your 401k would probably tank as the economy reels. So for long-term preparation, look, you can't do anything about transformers exploding from magnetic storms, but you can protect your household electrical system. So you make sure your home is surge protected on both a whole house surge protector and run-of-the-mill power strip surge protectors if you can. It's a good idea for both massive worldwide magnetic catastrophes and everyday power surges. So a basic survival kit is essential. Like making your house as surge protected, putting together a basic disaster kit is a good idea. Because a loss of power could come with earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, and some drunk guy driving into a pole across the street. So you want to be prepared. I had a friend who was in the military police at Fort Riley, Kansas. Tim, are you listening, you bastard? No, he got hammered and hit the uh, power. He did. He hit a power line there on the base. And this is back in early 80s. And, uh, yeah, it knocked out power to half the military base. Here's a question for you. Why are they not able to bury the electrical lines? For example, hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever comes roaring through, doesn't, it doesn't have to knock out the power. But for some reason, and I don't know what the reason is, maybe someone could fill me in on this because I'm ignorant of this. Why can't you bury your electrical lines? I want to know. So, anyways, so there's no way of knowing how long the power would be out due to a magnetic storm. So exactly how much should you prepare is a personal decision. Now, you could get some ideas, maybe a basic survival uh, guideline would be laid out by the government. But then again, you know, that, that might seem like a good place to start. I know information is important when you're getting started doing this. And the problem is government sucks at doing anything. They, they just, they're terrible at it. Because everybody has an agenda. All those grifters and con artists sitting in Congress, and, and not to mention the bureaucrats, yeah, that's what the world needs, more bureaucrats. All seem to think they know what's what. So you should not overlook having some cash on hand, though. If international communication systems fails, you likely won't be able to use the ATM and hard currency could prove very useful, especially if the outage persists over time. I'm sure uh, many disaster preppers think the government's list is crazily inadequate. I didn't say it was perfect. I said it's a way to it's somewhere to start, get you thinking. I don't think a massive worldwide power outage would plunge the world into chaos. So I, I guess I'm kind of in the short-term disruption camp. Now, the day before the storm, unlike earthquakes and nuclear attacks, we will likely have warning of a coming magnetic storm. Now, the 1859 Carrington event was observed 19 hours before it hit Earth. So you should have at least half a day 
to brace yourself for the coming unpleasantness. Even if you didn't prepare ahead of all, time at all, that means you're lazy, you'll still be able to fill containers with water, hit the grocery stores for non-perishables, and otherwise mentally prepare for a week or so without being able to play uh, you know, all your games on the internet. This is the time to charge all batteries and contact your family and make sure everyone else is prepared, even though they'll probably think you're crazy. I've told you a thousand times on this show, your family members, do. you have no credibility with your family members. Too familiar. And when it does come, what are they going to do? They're going to come to you. Oh, I need some food and water. Can you? No, no, no. Remember I'm crazy? I have no credibility. Why don't you go down the street to your local neighborhood activist, community activist. There you go. He has the answers. Yeah. Knuckleheads. So anyways. So when the systems fail, you won't be able to get in contact with anyone. And you definitely don't want to travel while this mess is going on. The final step, unplug everything and wait for the lights in the sky. While disaster movies might suggest chaos and run on, on all the stores once the coming disaster is announced, judging from how unusual the threat is and the whatever attitude everyone had in the days leading up to the pandemic really take a hold in the United States. I put my money on the masses not freaking out until the night sky lights up like noon and TikTok goes down. There you go. There it is. There you have it. Hey, guys, guess what? Now, for those of you that pay attention... We've heard about China and their hypersonic nuclear missile engine, 6,000 miles per hour. Guess where they got the plans from? Ha. Well, the Chinese military is apparently using an abandoned NASA design. That's why right, I said NASA design to develop a 6,000-mile-per-hour hypersonic nuclear missile engine. A prototype of the engine has been built and tested using a radical American design first proposed over 20 years ago as the country competes to outperform the West in a contemporary arms race. The design was presented by Ming Han Tang, a Chinese-American and former chief engineer of NASA's hypersonic program. Say it ain't so. Tang's two-stage vehicle X-Plane is driven by two different engines and can travel faster than five times the speed of sound. It was initially set to be tested in the early 2000s by the United States, but the program was cut after it was deemed what? Too costly. Is it too costly now, you freaking knuckleheads? The Chinese military reportedly views money as no object and partnered with Tan uh, Wei Jun, a professor at the Nanjing University of Aeronautics and Astronautics, to build a prototype using Tang's blueprints. Understanding its work mechanism can provide important guidance to hypersonic planes and engine development, Tan said. News of the development comes after China recently launched two missiles into space. One rocket carrying a hypersonic glide was secretly launched in August leaving American intelligence and military officials stunned. You know why? You want to know why American intelligence and military officials are, are stunned? Because they're more worried about kissing the Democrats' ass 
and more worried about what kind of golden parachute they're going to have when they retire from the military as opposed to doing their fucking job. Well, we don't know what's going on. we got to find out. I got an idea. Never mind. I'm just... I am surprised that we're not already in an armed conflict with our enemies, and that includes China or Russia. I really am. I am so surprised they have not taken advantage of that bumbling idiot in the White House. Anyway, I'm, I'm suffering mission creep. Allow me to go back. Now, a hypersonic missile launched in October capable of delivering a nuclear payload was a significant display of Chinese strength. It missed its target, but purportedly demonstrated to American officials China's progress in its development of hypersonic weapons. I, 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 I know, a lot of you are loving it. You guys like it when I lose my crap. Here's something, here's something else that we just got to have here in the middle class. Now millions, according to Grover Norquist, um, will lose their privacy permanently in Biden's IRS plan. What? That's right. You're going to lose it. I don't, I, they don't listen to me. Oh, I, 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 uh, all right, look, no, no, I, I don't know. What, can I find this story? You know, I, I, I guess I'd be a bit more upset, but the thing is the IRS is so fucked up, they can't even get out the damn tax return money that they should have. They're an absolute mess, and that's just too damn bad. By the way, if you are still have not received your IRS tax return money, you know, your check from the government for overpaying your taxes, don't forget, you can charge the government 3% interest on it. That's exactly the law. It's true. It's true. Hold on a minute. All right. I had to take a quick break. All right. Back. All right. Well, we were talking about, oh, yeah, IRS and Americans losing their um, ability, their privacy. Listen to this. Here you go. Biden's proposal for the IRS to monitor bank accounts would impact far more people than his administration actually claims. That is according to a bipartisan congressional committee that says tens of millions of Americans could be spied on if that plan went into effect. Let's bring in president of Americans for Tax Reform, Grover Norquist. Grover, it's been a while. Welcome. Good to see you. <laughs> First of all, you. where do you stand on this issue to begin with? Is there ever a reason why the IRS should be snooping on Americans' tax uh, bank accounts. No. What Biden wants is to be able to look at your bank account and then hold that data forever. 
They're not peeking because they've got a warrant. They're just looking at anything they want. He said it was just for rich people. Well, the Joint Committee on Taxation looked at it and said about 87 million people, and that's a low estimate, it could be much higher, 87 million middle class people making less than what Biden said he'd never bother, 87 million will lose their privacy permanently. That's your Venmo account, that's your PayPal. And when they look at what goes in and out of your bank accounts, they need to know how many bank accounts you have, and when they're there, do they look to see what you buy? Yeah. Maybe not at first. I mean, we're Maybe already after. living in a world where all of our personal information is compromised, yeah. and now the government wants access to our bank accounts. Uh, to your point about the numbers that the Joint Committee on Taxation came up with, mm -hmm. they estimate 87 million Americans earning less than $400,000 mm -hmm. will see their account information reported to the IRS. That accounts for 59% of the 148 million U.S. taxpayers earning less than 400,000. Tell us your concerns about the slippery slope. If they get access to this, they can snoop out our bank accounts, they get that information, they see what we're doing. What's next, Grover? Well, we can look back and see what the IRS has already done. It was exactly six months ago that we learned that the, that the IRS had given or leaked the data on tens of thousands of Americans, their audits, their, their audits, I mean, everything about them, yeah. to a left-wing group, ProPublica or whatever, is it, but it's a left-wing right. group, that then targeted and went after people leaking this stolen uh, I don't know who stole it, whether ProPublica stole it or some IRS agents stole it, but this is not something that could come from one person. This was a huge project yeah, to steal will. this much data. It went out six months ago, we were told, by the head of the IRS who was testifying six months ago uh, today, you know what? Uh, we're going to be on top of this. And oh, then yeah. since then, nothing. Crickets. Yeah. No arrests. And, and all this, by the way, this analysis that we eventually got was in response to a question from Jason Smith, a Republican, who asked the tax scorekeeper to see how many Americans the policy would actually encompass. And now we're starting to get a look at the real numbers here, saying, quote, is it fair to assume that an hourly W-2 worker who also drives Uber on the side or sells on eBay would have all of his or her income subject to scrutinization? severely punishing Americans for nothing more than working hard and trying to provide for their families. He wrote this in a, a letter dated November 2nd. And here we are. So now that there's more transparency, do you believe this will actually go through? Well, the more people look at this and the longer it takes, this is why it's a good idea for Congress to sit down. And as Senator Manchin has said, let's take a breather, look at what's in this legislation, the advocates of the legislation, Pelosi and Biden and Schumer, want to pass it, pass it, pass it, pass it, pass it. Don't read it, pass it. Don't read it, pass it. Don't show it to the American people, pass it. Uh, I mean, how much do the American people know what was in the bill that passed in the House? They rushed it through very quickly. The longer we have a chance to look at it, the more likely it is we'll take it out. But remember, all of those things that have been taken out of the legislation, and this was one of them, they said it, is just set to the side. Mm -hmm. It could come back tomorrow morning. It could come back at 3 in the morning when they, when they pass one of these bills. Just because it's taken out today doesn't mean it's gone away. Biden wants access all the time yeah. to your bank accounts. 
So does Pelosi. And so they does say Schumer. their reasoning, of course, is they want to cut down on tax cheats, and this is the way that they want to go about it. And they are repeatedly defending this plan in the face of obviously a lot of criticism, not just from Americans, but from the banks themselves. They wrote in a memo to congressional Democrats that requiring banks and financial institutions to provide a, quote, little bit of high level information to the IRS on account flows gives the agency more information about wealthy Americans' earnings from investments and business activity. Let's just be clear what is already on the books, Grover. As you know, banks are already required to report any individual transaction that exceeds $10,000 to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. There are already rules and regulations on the book books that would cover such high-level transactions. Yeah. And what they want is to go after other people. The IRS has made it very clear that the $80 billion that Biden and the Democrats want to give to the IRS to hire more auditors to harass people, that they're going to use that to increase audits of small businesses by almost 50%. By 50 That's who they're targeting. Biden says rich people, the IRS tells you out loud middle class, small businesses, that's the target. The very people they say they're set, setting out to help. Uh, yep. Appreciate it, Grover. Thanks for the conversation. There you go. And you wonder why I'm getting into cryptocurrency. There you go. All right, I'm gonna leave it right there for this week, my friends. Prep today live tomorrow. I don't know how much how many times I got to say it. And so until next week my friends, I'm John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week.